Try again. Okay, there we go. Let me uh, let me tell you how I got up here. Um, a while ago, I was praying and I was kind con- you know really complaining to Father, Lord. You know, since I've arrived in China, I've been really busy. I've been working really hard, and it seems like I'm getting nowhere. Seems like I'm on a treadmill. I got a pack on my back, and I'm really getting nowhere. I'm going to talk loud if you don't. If it's going to go in and out. No? Okay. Okay, so, you know, I had gotten involved in a lot of ministry, kids' ministry, men's ministry, uh, got a couple's Bible study. Uh, I'm with those awesome spatulas outside with the parking, all right? Um, we're, you know, I'm witnessing to people around me, but I'm like, Lord, I just don't feel strengthened right now. What's going on? So during this session, a thought came to me, you know, this is an elder-led church. You know, it's a new concept for me. I come from a pastor-led church. And in an elder-led church, that means people take turns coming up here. And, the, and what came to me was like, Greg, I want you to go up there. I said, Lord, didn't I just tell you? I don't feel strong right now. I'm doing all these. Am I doing enough for you? I'm already with the men's group, kids groups. Hey, I'm with those guys outside, spatulas, you know. I'm quite busy already. I'm not asking for any more tasks. Uh, actually, I was asking... For you to give me something. Oh, but the voice said, no, this is what I want you to do. And then another voice came in my head. And it sounded a lot like Rich Layman's voice. And it said, um, it was telling me something about abiding. And so I prayed, okay, Lord, you know I'm busy. You know I, I don't have time for this. You know, I really don't feel like doing this, but if this is what you're asking me to do, I'll do it. I'll go up there. However, I will not pursue this on my own. In fact, if you want it to happen, you need to open the door. Then I'll walk through, okay? Now, this is a little trick that I learned in the government. Put the onus on somebody else, right? I don't recommend this with dealing with the Lord because the Almighty God of the universe can do anything He wants. So... Uh, I'm not sure how normally he talks to you. God uses a lot of different methods. Uh, I listen to podcasts from one of my favorite speakers, Ravi Zacharias. I like listening to sermons from one of my pastors back in Virginia. Um, I love talking to the people here. And I, God, God talks to me through the people here. But when things are really serious and he needs to get in touch with me, he goes to a special forces commando. Someone who's been trained in unconventional psychological warfare. That person is my wife. I don't know how it is for you guys, but nothing is more humbling than when you're arguing with God and trying to push Him back, and your wife comes along and says exactly what He's been trying to tell you to what to do. So, I'm not sure why He uses... My wife, because uh, she often says that uh, you don't listen to me, you, you, know, you, 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 know, you tune me out, but somehow he still uses her, all right? So, in this particular case, my, about two weeks later, my wife came up to me right after service and said, you know what, John Gates just came to me and asked if you'd be interested in speaking up, you know, on stage. And the first thing that came to me was, why didn't John just speak to me? You know, why does he have to talk to my wife? I'm a guy, he's a guy, we communicate the same. But he was abiding, and for me to hear it, he had to go through my wife. So, um, so I, of course, went to the Lord and said, Lord, 
we had this conversation already. I'm really busy. And he said, son, I thought you were going to abide in me. I opened the door. It's time for you to walk through. And by the way, I've got this already taken care of. So a week goes by. Next week I'm outside and I felt this presence behind me. You know, with somebody staring at the back of your neck. And sure enough, I turn and it's John Gates. Greg, how you doing, John? Hey, nice day. Yeah, nice day. Um, elders and I have been talking. How about you coming up and preaching uh, on July 20th? You know, I had had an entire week to prep for this. I was ready for John's conversation. I said, John, let me think about it. <laughs> Took me two days to respond. Sorry, Lord, but that's how it goes. So two days I respond. And so now here I'm up here, July 20th. And there's a barbell at my feet, right? It's a barbell. See, what John forgot to do when he spoke to me was tell me that I had to talk about anything in particular. He was abiding. He was allowing me to go with what the Lord told me. And so today we have a barbell. Now, we will get to the Bible at some point during this talk. But first, let me, let me pray. Um, pray for this. Um, I really need it. Father in heaven, how be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And let your humble servants speak your words today. May your message be preached. May your name be glorified. Amen. So the fitness industry started coming into its own back in the 70s and 80s. Um, Many of you guys might remember Jim Fix's book on running, Jane Fonda's workout tapes. Um, It wasn't then in the... 90s and 2000s, people, probably many of you here, started flocking to gyms and spending billions of dollars in search of the elusive six-pack abs. I know all of you guys did that. You might still be looking now, I don't know, but we all, we've already been there. Now, the, making the fitness industry one of the most popular and lucrative business in the U.S. Personally, I'm a big fan of fitness. Um, I feel better when, my, when I exercise. You can just ask my family. I'm a lot better person to deal with after I've exercised. Um, I do believe this is a temple of God and it's responsibility for us to take care of it. And besides, I feel better and I can do more things when, I feel, when I'm fit. And I enjoy that feeling. One of my favorite quotes is by Eric Little, who was a 1924 gold medalist and uh, a missionary to China. And he said... I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And whether you want to believe it or not, when I'm sucking wind, I feel God's pleasure. It's an enjoyment for me. I really enjoy that. Now, the fitness boom also had its downside. Because soon people forgot the basics of exercise and why, what was important. They started moving from the the interior of strength and health to the exterior. People wanted to look good. Now, I'm not saying looking good isn't good, isn't important, but it's it's a secondary. It's it's a byproduct of real health and fitness exercise. It's, It's the parsley next to the steak on the plate, if you know what I'm saying. The strong men of old understood this, and they exercised for health and strength. And they came, they, a lot of them used three really basic exercises. One was the squat. 
I know all of you living in China are familiar with the squat. Allow me to demonstrate. We sit in this position and we might have lunch, talk, play cards, anything. And if you've lived here long enough, you've probably demonstrated the squat in a Chinese bathroom yourself. In fact, I'm quite, I'm quite sure that it's the Chinese. Uh, one of the reasons why in China they have less lower back and knee problems is because of that Chinese toilet. The second exercise is the press, and I'm talking an overhead press, not a bench press. The overhead press. This could be for those of you who have a small child when you hold them up. When you when you put a book on a bookshelf, when you put dishes away, and if you have an IE and you have your IE, put your dishes away. You're missing out on a good exercise. The final, and the which one I think is the most important, which I like, and people often call the king of all exercises, is the deadlift. And it's pretty simple. You're picking a weight from a dead position up off the floor. Now, <clears throat> all of you have done deadlifting. Whether you've moved furniture, you've done yard work. Um, you've carried your suitcases, or you drop that donut on the floor and you want to pick it up. Okay, where it's all deadlifting. So, although the first two are important, the last one's the most important, and that's what we're going to talk to. Now we're into the abiding, abiding and the deadlift. All right. So, believe it or not, I'm a guy who likes order. So when Rick started talking about abiding, and that became our main focus here. Uh, I did what I thought any person would do. I googled it. I want to know what what exactly is abiding. Is there any other references to abiding out there? Of course, in China, I think we now have to buy do it instead of Google due to the blocks. So now, abiding means to remain and to continue or dwell in, to continue in a particular condition or attitude or relationship. The opposite is to leave, quit, refuse, to not continue. For me. I hate those words. I really do. I hate it when my name is associated with any of those words. It makes me feel really bad. So, I want—I can only imagine what it means to the Lord also when we when we do that as well. Okay, okay, great. But how do I go about doing it? How do I go about abiding in Christ? And and during the Google search, I found several tips on how to abide in Christ in our daily quest to stay connected to the vine, as we're encouraged to do. In, 15, in John 15:5 that we've been talking about. Now I could just list out the tips that I got, and then we could all go to Pinnacle Plaza and have lunch. But since we have a barbell here, let's let's get into the deadlift and then let's have some enjoyment and learn something here, right? You know, our Lord when He was on the earth, He often gave flesh to His principles. Um, stories of sowing seeds and tending sheep and building structures and a vine and its branches. He made things real to us. And 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 I like doing that the same. It makes me understand some of his concepts a little bit better. So, as I was saying, I enjoy fitness. I've been athletic all my life.、Uh, I enjoy physical competition, different sports. At one time, I was a pretty competitive ultra runner, and and I realized when I was running and doing a lot of running, I was also seeing some weakness in my body. There was some deficiencies, and I was having problems. And I recognized that. So I had, knew I had to add some additional strength in certain areas. And when I did some, one of the things I did was started adding weightlifting. And the most important lift that I added was the deadlift. 
So why the deadlift? Because it gives muscle mass and strength. It's probably the best exercise for it. It helps with your core, your upper body, your, your legs, your hamstrings, your calves, everything. It hits just about everything in one exercise. You hit a majority of your muscles. Now, it's like doing an entire workout with one lift. All right. So, and additionally, for those people who like to sing, it actually helps with your lung capacity, too. So I recommend that as well. Okay. The first step in abiding, then, is what I found, is I recognized, you've got to recognize a need for Christ in your life. So, like I recognized a deficiency in myself, it's recognizing the need in your life. Although we think we're capable of handling everything that life throws at us, and there are circumstances on our own, we're simply not. Despite all our experience, our training, our skills, our maturity, our education, everything we possess, we're constantly going to be faced with frustration and discouragement. If we try to do it on our own authority instead of surrendering to God's authority and recognizing our need for His intervention in our life. In the Bible, we see all these verses. I'm the bread of life. I'm the light of the word. I'm the door, the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. I am the vine. You are the branches. It, it pretty much, what we get from all those verses is we pretty much covers everything. Isn't it glorious to know that Father has provided everything we need through Christ? We don't need anything else. Just Christ, and that's it. So, after... Lifting for a while, I realized that deadlifting is a little bit more difficult than I thought. And so I wanted to find a book that I could trust, that had information, that had proved itself to be reliable over time. And I looked around, and the one that I found was by Mark Ripito's Starting Strength. Now, Mark has over 35 years of powerlifting experience. From an Olympic lifting experience. He has set several records and been a coach. And he put that all in here. All right, He goes over the physics, the body mechanics, and the programming. He breaks the lift down to its essentials. From your stance, your grip, every part of the deadlift. This book is so well known in the industry that some people even call it the Barbell Bible. Which I always find interesting that even non-Christians, when they talk about something all-encompassing, use the Bible something or something the Bible. Right? So, I knew this particular exercise was important for me. I recognized my deficiency, so I wanted to know more, and I spent more time reading to learn about it to make me stronger. During my walk with Christ, I've been exposed to the Bible quite often, over and over. But the real game changer in my life was several years ago when I started, when I decided to read it straight through from beginning to end. No timeline, no requirements. I just wanted to see what was in there all the way from the beginning to end. It took me three years. Since then, I've read it a few more times. And every time I read it, there's more wisdom that I know I have to apply in my life. Every time I pick it up, it's like, there's something, I can't believe I missed this the first seven times I read it. Paul states in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, 
and that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Do you really believe what Paul is saying? I mean, do you really, do you really accept that? If so, why aren't you in the Word? Why aren't you looking at it and digging into it? I wanted to be stronger. I looked at some information and I really dug to learn about it. We're being told that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. It has everything we need for rebuking and training. Read it. Think about it. We have 66 books, 40 different authors, 1,500 years, three languages, three different continents. It's a, it's, what's more, it's a collection of books shares a common storyline. Creation, fall, redemption of God's people, a common theme. God's universal love for all of humanity. And a common message, salvation, which is available to all who repent their sins and commit to Him. So if you want to abide and become a student of the Scriptures... Seek to learn and understand God through the book he gave us. In Hebrews 4.12 he writes, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of our heart. So it's actually pretty simple. On any given day, your mind is being influenced and shaped by, by what you feed it. An Olympic athlete knows this and feeds his body Nutritious food because he knows he's going to get the best results. I say feed your, feed your mind and your heart the best information you can and it's all there in the Bible. So in order to truly maximize the deadlift, you need to start adding weight. It needs to get heavy. And our, one of our first stories about lifting that... An exercise comes 2,500 years ago in the story of Milo of Croton. Milo was an abdominal warrior who lived, and he won Olympic wrestling, six Olympic wrestling titles, in, and he would often go to battle wearing his Olympic crowns and uh, in and a lion skin, in order uh, because uh, as a tribute to his hero Hercules, he was the greatest wrestler of antiquities. So how did Milo become strong? Milo decided to lift a bull every day. So he'd pick up that bull and he'd walk with that bull. And as the bull got bigger, Milo got stronger. His body responded to the stimulus. It was a perfect reciprocal relationship. That is, until Milo decided to carry the bull to one of his wrestling matches and slaughtered it there in front of his opponent and ate it to intimidate his opponent. But, in the meantime, it was that strength, that lifting, and that continuous stimulus. I can't know for certain what was going through Milo's mind when he would lift that bull and when he was on the battlefield. But for me, I found that self-talk and community are very important to my improvement. So what is self-talk? Well, it's trying to stop that other voice that's in your head that's saying, Hey, this weight is too heavy. You can't lift it. Maybe there's an, e- maybe there's an easier way to do this to get stronger. Or, ah, are you sure you need to exercise today? Uh, maybe you just need to take it easy. You know, that guy isn't doing it. Why should you do it? All right? So self-talk helps you to be diligent and persistent in your training. Self-talk is what reminds yourself what is important as you prep for the lift. So as I go up, it's reminding myself, all right, bar on my shins, grip it, back straight. Oh, it's getting heavier. Okay, 
What also helps is community. And so having other lifters around you, watching them, being encouraged by them, being accountable to them. Hey, Greg, I'm going I'm to see you tomorrow, right? Hey, Greg, are you ready to lift heavy today? Hey, Greg, keep your back straight. Use good form. Hey, Greg, you can do this. Stay with it. Okay? It's working together as a community. My third step in abiding is to preach the gospel to ourselves and others at all times. The devil doesn't want you to succeed. I know that because the last couple weeks he's been working against me for the last two weeks as I've been preparing for this. He's going to distract you and me. He doesn't want us to abide in Christ. He doesn't want us to grow and mature. He will try every angle. That's why he's called the deceiver. He'll try every angle to, de- to, to deceive us. This is where scripture is so key in your life. When Christ was tempted in the desert... He used the power of Scripture to defeat the devil's temptations. I always find that piece of Scripture very interesting. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and some, some theologians will say pieces of it are in John. So it must be important. The example he gave us is that the devil waits till Christ is alone, tired, weak. Have you guys ever been there? And he says, he doesn't say, no, don't do it. He just says... Hey, God is asking too much of you. You can still do what he wants you to do, but, but why don't you take the easier way of doing it? Let's that, 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 not do it his way. Let's take our way to do it. Let's use the easy route. Maybe use some of your powers to make this happen instead of doing what you have to go through. You know, Christ doesn't skip a beat and gives us the per- perfect example right here. He answers each challenge. Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All of this is scripture. If Christ used scripture to push the devil away, I'd say we should do it as well. You know, one of my favorite go-to scriptures when I'm at that point is Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I recommend next time you're at that point where you're tired and alone and you can't do it, for me that verse works, that piece of scripture. I would also say take a look at your bulletin sometime. Look at the back side of your bulletin. There are a whole list of beautiful verses. Read it to yourself. Read it to your friend. Read it to your neighbor and see what happens. See what happens when you read that piece of scripture. What happens? So, last year was the 25th anniversary of one of the greatest advertising slogans in the U.S. Just do it. You guys remember that? So the Just Do It campaign was by Nike. And it allowed them to change their shoe sales from 899, uh, 
877 million to 9.2 million. They went from an 18% ownership of the market to a 43% ownership of the market in a 10-year period. That is amazing. Ten times. So what is the meaning of just do it? It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your age, your gender, your condition, what sport you like, or more importantly, what excuse you have. We all have our excuses. It's just do it. It's saying don't reason with your situation. Don't analytically, you know, analytically or logically you know, deal with it. Just go out and do it. You know, if you reason with yourself while you're laying in bed in the morning, are you going to get out and go for that run? I don't think so. When you, when you reason with yourself about that, when it's cold outside, you're like, ah, it's kind of cold outside. I don't know if I should go for that run. No, you get outside, you'll warm up. If it's raining, you get outside and you run. A lot of other sports have the same mantra. In golf, you say what? Grip it and rip it. You just go for the hit. In baseball, it's swing away. And in the deadlift, you step up to the bar. Lord, give me strength. You grab it and pull. All right. Getting there. So sin breaks our fellowship with God. It wants to distract us and cause us to look for excuses and reasons out, way out of doing what is asked. Our Lord, while he was uh, on this earth, spent a lot of time in prayer. Rich mentioned that. I can only imagine some of his prayers went like this. All right, son, um, I need you to pick some disciples, and one of them is going to be Judas Iscariot. Isn't he going to, you know, turn me in? Yeah. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. All right, uh, son, tomorrow I want you to heal somebody on the Sabbath. Yeah, the Pharisees aren't going to be too happy with that. Yeah, that's all right. You'll be okay. Okay, Lord, I'll do it. Uh, Son, tomorrow I want you to go to Jerusalem. But they're going to kill me there. That's all right. It's all taken care of. You go there and do it. If we read our Bibles and we know them backwards and forwards and we come see, 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 and we... And we listen to the message and say, man, if we, um, we can quote scripture, you know, that's great. But James makes it clear that we ourselves must be doers of the word as well and not just hearers. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And in 1 John 3.24, those who obey God's commandments, obey, remain in fellowship with him and he with us. And we know He lives in us because the, the Spirit He gave us lives in us. In Isaiah twenty nine thirteen, the Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is made only of rules taught by men. He's saying, get out there and do what you're saying that you're, you're going to do. And in Hosea 6, 6, For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, acknowledgement of God, than burnt offerings. God wants us to obey, and that requires action. Our fourth step is to pray and obey, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it's inconvenient, or just plain scary. So at some point, you need to get to a weight that you can't lift. I don't care how strong you are. Everybody has this point. We all think 
we can do whatever, anything we want. There's a point at which the weight is just beyond you. No matter how small you are or how big and strong you are. The strongest men in the world still have limitations. And it can be scary. It can be scary sometimes. Because if something goes wrong, it can really go wrong. Let me turn the gravity machine off a minute. <laughs> All right. Well, Father, you told me to come up here and you take care of this for me. Try it again. Lord, it's more than I can handle. I'm tired, overworked, and no one cares. I'm in front of you, I'm in front of all these people. I'm abiding, I'm doing what you told me to do. I'm obeying to be out here. But it's too much. Lord, I've changed my job, I've moved to China. I've done everything that you're asking me to do. I've put myself in humiliating situations over and over. It's not fair. Lord, I need your help. I need you to come up. But Lord, let me realize also right now that it's not about me lifting this weight. It's about serving you and abiding in you. The fifth step in abiding is don't limit the Father. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power. And that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And 2 Corinthians 9.8 And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty to left over to share with others. These are amazing verses. He has everything already planned. The God of the universe will never leave you or forsake you. Today God provided a friend to help me. Tomorrow maybe I can lift this weight. Maybe I can't. Maybe I'll be called on to help someone else. Either way, he won't have us do anything that he, that he can't do. Let me close with a final thought. Um, I don't know if any of you have ever broken a bone or tore a muscle. A few months ago, I tore my hamstring really pretty good. It was black and blue for quite a while. I couldn't lift it. I couldn't use that muscle at all. I couldn't lift anything. I couldn't lift a bar off the ground. The 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 tear had actually happened just before as I was preparing for a competition that I was involved in. And I was really kind of frustrated and didn't understand why God allowed this to happen. But I remember the words of abiding and I said, Lord, I'll rejoice in this somehow, but it's it's for your glory. During that time, I learned something as I was trying to get out of bed every morning with that tore hamstring. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for promising to be with me because I know I can't do it today without you. My point is, instead of waiting for the weight to be this heavy, we need to understand we can't even lift the bar ourselves.
Alright? And it's only with the Lord inside of us. I can't lift that bar. I can only do, I can't do anything without my Savior. I think sometimes we get confused on the thought of what abiding is and make it harder than it needs to be. Our minds envision someone abiding in Christ as being a Superman. They can do everything. They can preach. They know the Bible inside and out. They can do everything because they are a Superman. But in reality, it's the one who admits, I can do nothing except with Christ who strengthens me. I like how Tennessee Pastor Brian Yawn puts it. I can fail to achieve my, goal, my goals and still trust my Savior's love. I can have cancer or I can lose everything. I can be fired. I can do all this because of who Jesus is. In Philippians 4, our verse 4, 12 through 13, I added a little bit to it. I know what it is to be in need and know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, whether I have strength in my body or I'm broken, whether my job is going well or I'm out of work. I can do all this through Him who gives me strength. In closing... I just want to review the five steps. We need to recognize our need, the need for Christ in our life daily. Just recognize that weakness that we have. Second, become a student of, the, of His Word. He's given it to us. Third, Scripture and fellowship. I need you guys. I really do. I need your encouragement. And I need your uh, watching out for me as much as I hope that I can do that for you. Praying and obeying. Just getting out there and doing it. And then finally, don't limit the Father. Allow Him to do His special work within you. If you have not accepted Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to do it today. Come up afterwards and talk with one of the elders. And if you're trying to lift weight that you shouldn't be lifting, I also encourage you to come up and talk to one of the elders. We're all doing that. Let's pray and close. Lord, thank you for being the perfect example. Thank you for taking the burden of salvation. Thank you for being my Lord and my friend. Thank you for being the vine. Help me to abide in you and be the branch that bears good fruit. Thank you for being here today and that we could hear your message. Thank you for the friend that you sent to help me. May I serve you in such a way that I can help others as well. And may we all someday hear your, vo- your words. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful for a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. Amen.